0: Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 597. This week, while well, we're looking at a single board computer with a twist. It has an, its own enclosure. And it holds... You ready for this? Yes. A solid state hard drive. No way. Yeah. It has eight cores. It has two gigs of RAM. And I've installed Debian Stretch directly on this unit. So, hey... Get creative with it. You can do pretty much anything you want. Build your own NAS. Build your own server. Tonight, we're going to learn how to turn it into a BitTorrent seed server. Stick around.
1: This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs.
0: Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv.
1: Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB.
0: Welcome to the show, everybody. Nice to see you. I'm Robbie.
1: I am Sasha.
0: Nice. See how I didn't stumble on you that time?
1: That was good. I was like,
0: I'm going to let her say it. I knew she'd be right on top of that. Uh, that's the and one
1: thing I We got know.
0: through the intro, so now yeah. they know who we are.
1: Exactly. Now
0: we got to have a rocking good show. Um, so everybody's uh, little LED light came on came just on, a couple of moments ago. So right. uh, I imagine that your projects are going very, very well. I want to say thank you to everyone who's pitched in to assist with our server uh, replacement we've got a uh, our Telestream wirecast broadcast system that's the computer that all of our cameras plug into and everything else and it allows us to do the switching and and uh, the live broadcasting mm-hmm. that needs to be replaced because unfortunately it's at end of life it is uh, an older system that I put together back in season five here we are in the middle of season 12 and it uh, it served us very very well um, but it is failing and so I just again I want to thank you um, there have been several people who have thrown a little something in the tip jar to support um, that venture and for those of you who aren't sure why we would uh, even mention that or why we wouldn't just up and you know pull out the old credit card and uh, <laughs> and and buy a new server um, category five TV is a group of volunteers we are all volunteers here mm-hmm. uh, we pay the bills uh, we uh, we do everything uh, on uh, the budget that we have to operate which is based on advertising. Uh, revenue, uh, which is based on folks that use our Amazon links and other partner links in order to shop through our website, so that um, so that a little kickback comes back to us, right? And contributions from folks like patrons and uh, people who throw something in the tip jar. Yes, we don't have any debt, right? Which is a you know that's Huge, that's kind of how we want it to be. Like yeah. that's that's where we want category five to be. I mean you you know you you got to pay the bill from a month ago for the internet and stuff like that. But as far as like back debt right. or buying things. We're not
1: putting like yeah. something on a credit card and then paying like mm-hmm. a crazy amount of interest and that's not responsible. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we're not and falling anyway. into that. So, so you know, all that to say um, your contributions are helping us to get ready for that um, reasonably major purchase for, for a small group like ours. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I thank you very much. And thank you again to our patrons. Those are the folks who just give, um, some give as little as a dollar a month and that's great because if there are, let's just say there were a thousand people who decided to do that yes that's that's our 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 rent covered that's uh, our internet covered in addition to that and and then like everything else is gratis right yeah Um, and then there are folks who give $20 a month and and it's really it's up to you and there are some perks there that are um, that are given to you if uh, if you decide to contribute in that way so I just want to again thank everyone for uh, for pitching in
1: when we do raise the money for the server, which will mm-hmm. be happening soon, yeah, um, can I just can I just build it? Like yeah, I am you're put it seasoned together, right? professional. I'm gonna sit in this. back,
0: put my feet up. Sasha knows how to build servers. I now. can
1: I can do this, right, Marshman?
0: <laughs> How's your gaming rig been performing? I mean, we put that together back at the end of 2017.
1: I think so. It was like a, it was a and wedding. It, it was a wedding gift, right? And I've been married for like.
0: A little more than a year?
1: A little more than a year. Yeah. So And like, it is doing really well. It's cool. I <laughs> I did not really build it, really. Yeah, you kinda I, did. I kinda did. Yeah. I I sort of did. I but I did a good job. Like it's
0: Really all enough. I did was
1: go. Be very careful.
0: Ground yourself, <laughs> Sasha. Don't bend the pins. That's right. really that was my job.
1: It reminded me of learning how to drive.
0: With the backseat driver, the training person.
1: (laughs) Could you imagine? Okay, so that was my—that's my computer. Well, it's Dave's computer. It's my gift to Dave. Yeah. Right. So you didn't have like any real like emotional attachment. Can you imagine if I was building Mm. the server for the show? Right. I
0: I feel like there's a little bit of like a an added stress there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That'll be the one where I'll just guide you through it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. That'll be part of the uh, our vodcast.
1: That'll be so much so fun. So
0: my vlog, okay. basically. Yeah. So we will show you that server once we put it together and everything. But as far as patrons go, if you're a patron, um, you'll be able to gain access to that. If you're not a patron but you contributed, um, just email me and say, yeah, I want access to that as and then, well. Yeah. And I'll just send you a link to the video because um, that's going to be a lot of fun. But it'll probably be like an eight-hour <laughs> yeah. session of putting together this amazing server um, so what's new with you anything uh, exciting in the tech world did you get a chance to look back at some of the stuff we're doing with online to, you haven't done it yet to be anything honest, exciting?
1: I, yeah to be honest I've been so super busy just in yeah, life it's in been general a busy time. it's just been bananas and so I haven't really had a chance so none of my news is really tech news mostly I am just gonna just go right out there and tell you I'm going to Whistler for March break and so I think going to be away in two weeks. I'm going to be away in two weeks. Mm. And so my big news is really just that I've been spending as much time as possible trying to learn how to snowboard so that I don't embarrass yeah. myself on a mountain.
0: You've been snowboarding for a couple of years?
1: Mm. I've been snowboarding not for a couple of years. For, for like one year. One year? Yeah.
0: Yeah? You enjoy yeah.
1: it? I love it. Yeah. I'm so bad at it. But today I went <laughs> out for a couple of hours. <laughs> this morning, it's cold here, minus 15 yeah. Celsius. I went down six runs and did not fall at all well done for the first time ever nice okay so
0: i can't even walk without falling that's amazing in
1: comparison at whistler bc if for anybody who's not familiar way um, west,
0: way out west
1: west, west i don't from know, us so west. we're like
0: we're central ontario and they're central south ontario west
1: side. um one of their runs is 11 kilometers long
0: i'm sorry what now
1: 11 kilometers. So you so snowboard. Snowboarding, you're like squatting. And how fast and is like snowboarding?
0: Like you're maybe doing 40, 50 kilometers now?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm really, really chicken. But okay. But okay, let's say you are going 40, kilometers. I would imagine you, an could hour. you could like, easily sustain 40 right. kilometers you an hour as a, I, as a rookie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 11 kilometers long.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a crazy amount of leg. Wow! action
0: yeah so be safe so it, yeah I, send back video
1: well here's the plan I know it's not tech but i, I mean
0: everybody I wants to see it maybe vlog for us
1: exactly so we're going to whistler on the monday my plan mm. is to do the calculations i think it's a three hour time difference my plan is to be at least in the chat room for the show itself right So
0: you'll need to be there like four o'clock in the afternoon
1: i, I feel like that's possible yeah so i can do that and i can send you pictures and stuff so that i can still be a part of the show i don't like cool. to be away yeah, Anyway,
0: jump into discord so my stuff i not have s- nothing that exciting going on <laughs> nothing at all really N- yeah
1: i yeah, feel like, like you I always got things oh on yeah the go. no, i've got
0: things on the go but nothing like snowboarding 11 kilometers down a hill in in whistler bc right that's that's not on the table for me
1: I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Okay, but we can't just talk one hour about how cool it is that I'd I'm going. To,
0: but I would love to hear from our viewers in uh, yes. in British Columbia, please, in Canada, mm-hmm. um, and uh, just let us know that you're watching and and just know that Sasha's going to be there in a couple of weeks over the March break. It's going to be a busy time. It is going to be a busy there. time. Oh, Actually, yeah.
1: If you're watching from BC, just know that I've spent all of my money on my lift tickets for one day at Whistler. <laughs> so also give me ideas on what I can do um, for free.
0: Let's see if I can... Now, how can I yeah. get in here without a mouse? Is there a way to, to zoom in on... I don't know how. I don't... Oh, oh if I double-click, 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 double-click. Okay, we have some folks down in, uh, in Surrey and Vancouver. We've got somebody up there in... Uh, it looks like Williams Lake. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. So whereabouts does Whistler fall on? The, oh, Wh- there it is, right in between. So just yeah. above Garibaldi Provincial Park. Yes. There's Whistler, and that's where Sasha's going to be. So we've got some folks that are watching from Vancouver, British Columbia. We've got somebody down here just a little northwest of Abbotsford. Um, and, uh, and then there, there you are, right, right north of uh, Garibaldi Provincial Park.
1: So... That is going to be so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take lots of pictures. I mean, Dave will probably take lots of pictures. I <laughs> use all of my attention just staying up. Take take the GoPro. Yeah. Get yeah. some video. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, if you want to know how you can see that map and see where our viewers are watching from, just head on over to map.cat5.tv. It gives you a live global view of our viewership. So these are the folks that are watching Category 5 Technology TV. And there's somebody right in the middle of the North Pacific.
1: How is that?
0: That is a wee tiny little island that you might have heard of called Hawaii.
1: Oh, Look that's that. funny! Well I was driving my car today with one of my friends, yeah. I was like, "My car is so cool." Listen, it's just Google Assistant, but I was like, <laughs>
0: "That's your friend."
1: That's my no, 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 no! <laughs> I, was, I had a human friend,
0: oh, oh, and I okay, was yeah. showing
1: off. I like plug my phone in, and Android Auto pops up, and I was showing off my cool technology. And I was like, "You can ask it anything." And today I asked it. I was like, <laughs> "What time is it in Hawaii?" It turns out Hawaii, like at two o'clock. In the afternoon, it's like 8 o'clock in the morning in Hawaii.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, so... We were showing off my um, Amazon Echo just before yeah. the show. Cranking up some tunes. We had volume <laughs> at 7. And uh, you Blast wanted the song, it. and suddenly <laughs> she started playing the mini-pops.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's because I have the a high-pitched mini pops. voice. Maybe oh, she was judging my voice. Like, this sounds like
0: a child this is a asking a She would
1: like to listen to the mini-pops. Not the original version of any not song. Not
0: at all what she asked for. And then when we continued to ask, no, turn that off, put on something else, it, it kept choosing mini pops.
1: Yeah, pretty much that device judged me. <laughs>
0: I said that now we've set some, uh, a, a very dangerous precedent because now it thinks that that's what I prefer. Right. So now when I ask for things like Otis Redding, it's going to be like, here's the hits of Otis Redding performed <laughs> by the Mini Pops. By
1: the Mini Pops. Yeah. When I was younger and you gassed up at the gas stations here, I don't know if it's like this everywhere, but or was like this everywhere, you used to get a cassette tape as like a gift if you oh, yeah? yeah and so That's i used odd. to have like a really odd collection of cassette tapes from like yeah. the mid 80s <laughs> um and it would have like Here, one have or cassette. two yeah one or two songs Weird. only on it wow. but they were almost always mini pops So I actually have a history of the mini-pops.
0: Neat. (laughs) Very (laughs) cool. All right. Well, on that note, (laughs) tonight we are going to be looking at a very cool device from Odroid. Now, we've looked at the XU4. Yes. Do you remember this board? Um, I actually have my XU4. If I can just leave the set here for a a second, folks. I'm going to grab this because I've actually got it connected. I'm disconnecting it now. And then I can bring it around. Now, my (laughs) XU4Q... Is installed in the Cloud Shell 2 case. Right. So some people have seen this on the show and said, "What? That's that's not a Raspberry Pi killer. It's huge and expensive." This is the case with a screen and a circuit controller and two hard drives and a and a SATA um, header here. So we, you know, you pay extra for those components. Right. Now the XU4 itself, the circuit board, is right there so can you folks see that i'm going to just kind of zoom in here so that you can get a look so this is the board it's a single board computer it's kind of hard to show you but that's it that's the single board computer it's about the size of a raspberry pi so whenever i demonstrate the cloud shell 2 this device this is like the full like i've purchased the case i've got a couple hard drives in there i've got a nice fan on the back uh, which people say, well, why do you need to keep it cool if it's got a heat sink? Um, that's for the hard drives. Right. Because the spinning hard drives do generate some heat. That'll just keep them cool, give them longer life. That's cool. Uh, no pun intended. And then we've got a three-and-a-half-inch screen or some odd thing like that, USB 3, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is all built in, right? So I mention this because I know you've seen it on the show before. That circuit board, the XU4, yes, is combined into a NAS unit. Not like this. Not at all like this. I'm going to show it to you in a couple of minutes' time, and it's going to blow your mind. So they've taken that SoC right. chip, an eight-core processor, two gigs of RAM, and built it into basically an external hard drive enclosure. It's called the Home Cloud One, and we're going to be unboxing that and actually testing it this evening here on Category 5 TV, so make sure you stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Okay, welcome back, folks. As we do it with our um, single board computers and unboxing, I want to start it right here at our unboxing table so you can get a look at the Odroid HC1. Now, let's get right into it. This is the box they sent me. What is so exciting about this device is that it is a single board computer built in to basically a hard drive enclosure. That's all that's in the box. I'm just going to throw that down there. And let's get in it together. Now, I was watching Doctor Who last week, and I'm afraid to do anything with the bubble wrap. I'll just set that aside safely. Uh, okay. Now, this is sealed. Marshman.
1: What? You did Look what I
0: found. Yeah.
1: He's so proud of you. Oh,
0: I know, I know. And there it is. I feel like there should be like some he- heavenly semaphores playing as I open this. I want you to understand how incredible this is for SOC and single-board computers. You'll notice there is no HDMI output. There's no video output. This is strictly your DIY NAS unit. There is. A larger form factor version of the HC1. It's called, cleverly, any guesses? No. The HC2. No. Yeah, the Home Cloud 2 will take a full sized, <laughs> like three and a half inch hard drive. Now, what this bad boy is going to take, so what I want to point out is that this is basically an XU4 single board computer. I say that, it's not really an XU4. But it's, it's got the same SoC. So what it has underneath of this, you notice that there's no processor? It's because it is on the bottom side. You can't even see it, but it's down there and it's making contact over here with the cooling architecture of this aluminum body. Okay. So this heat sink, it's basically like the, the chassis is this giant heat sink and the SoC is underneath of this bit here and it's keeping cool. The SOC is, why is it so exciting? It is a Cortex-A15 two gigahertz processor with a Cortex-A7 CPU as well. That gives this a total of eight processing cores. Eight cores, folks.
1: Amazing.
0: Unbelievable. It has two gigabytes of RAM, and as you can observe here, it has an SATA3 header built right into the board so what does that mean now we can take our kingston ssd there you go i've got a 960 gig or one terabyte drive and i just simply slide it in there and boom now it's part of that device so now this soc when i boot it i'm going to have access to this drive as a hard drive for this system to use for storage now it does boot from an sd card so i've got a, a micro sd card which I've installed Maverick's Debian Stretch uh, on this. So you can download that at cat5.tv slash mev, just to make it simple for you. That'll take you to the forum thread that gives you that image for Debian Stretch. And that is going to boot from that SD card. Then the data is going to be stored here. This is where we're going to actually put stuff. The case here, now this is sold um, separately, this upper part here. It's just the way that they've done it. So just keep in mind, you'll probably want to pick up one of these as well. And what this does is it's going to just slide right on here, I presume. Of course, I unbox this with you watching, so you know about as much of it as I do. But uh, I think that's just going to kind of pop right on here. Huh. Yeah, something like that.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> <Take laughs> probably don't yeah. want to
0: do it with the SD card right there. Does Let's it slide see. on?
1: It looks like it should. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's like a... Yeah, like a like little a track. ridge.
0: There we go. Okay. And then this side here. I imagine that's going to do the same thing, and they're going to lock together. So, no screws needed. Ah, yes. Ah. Oh,
1: okay. Aha. There
0: we go. We're learning here together, folks. <clears throat> so, this is the Odroid HC1. I've put my Kingston 960-gig hard drive in there. I've got Mavericks um, install here on a Kingston 16-gig microSD, which I'm just going to pop right in there. It's going to use 5-volt, 4-amp. Of course, we need that 4-amp because we're also powering a hard drive as well. It's got USB 2, and it has gigabit Ethernet. Ooh. Beyond that, the, uh, the SD card uh, slot, the, uh, the microSD slot, is uh is uhs1 compatible so it is fast uh, but again we're going to probably put most of our data is going to be happening here just the boot and the operating system itself right. is going to happen on the sd card
1: Bef- before you test it are you putting screws in the ssd because there's no. screws on the side on the table there beside you what what are oh, they oh yeah
0: look at you let's see. thanks the
1: foo. you made me sound like a genius
0: well, well where do they go
1: <laughs> yeah they have oh, to go somewhere. there you
0: go. Look at that. The foo for the win.
1: <laughs> we've got
0: a couple of, we've got a, a hole there. Mm-hmm. And we've got, that's it. That's, there's just one screw hole that perfectly aligns with my SSD.
1: Perfect.
0: Let's grab that. That way. Because we, you know, we, we absolutely, we only do things correctly around here, folks.
1: We read the instructions. Oh,
0: yeah. There weren't any instructions. You saw what came in the box. That's
1: actually it's true. It's
0: just DIY. It's just, hey, stick this thing together. Figure it out for yourself.
1: This is very, like, chic. I love the look of it. So. Yeah. Uh,
0: and I think that uh, as a little tiny home server, uh, yeah. anything like that, this is kind of an ideal device. I think as a NEM server, as Nagios... How perfect is this for for something to monitor your network and keep tabs on things? Mm -hmm. Uh, Put all your logs on the SSD. It's going to give better performance and uh, higher reliability than something like your SD card. SSD, SD. There you go. It's all screwed together. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. All right. So I'm going to jump back over here. Sasha, if you want to hit that wide shot there so that we can see you. And I'm going to make my way back to the set.
1: Okay. So let me just... That's all there is to it. Yeah. Blimey, see it. Mm-hmm. It is cool. What do you think? Ah, unboxings make me want to buy things.
0: It's just, it's there's so many different things you can do yeah, with this. So, okay. it is Linux compatible. So, again, I've put Debian on here. Yeah. Cat5.tv slash Mev to grab the, uh, the image for that, which you just flash using uh, Balana Etcher. Okay. I guess they've renamed it because they got bought out by, or they changed their name or something like that. But Etcher, anyways, you can burn that and then you're good to go. Yeah. Presumably... And you say, well, you've done all the work, but we want to actually see this thing operate. Yes. So don't go anywhere. We're going to fire it up right after this. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, b Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit category5.tv partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners and thank you for watching. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. And before the break, we are looking at the HC1, which I've now uh, plugged in right here. And uh, so I've, I've simply plugged in an Ethernet cable and a power cable. That power cable is something that you purchase at the same time from Cat5.tv slash Odroid. And that is a 5-volt, 4-amp power supply. Right. And it's important to get the 4-amp because... We're going to be powering not just the, um, the circuitry, the, the SOC or the single board computer, but also the SSD. Right. Or you could have an, uh, a hard drive as well, like a spinning hard drive if it fits. Uh, it would be like 1.5 millimeters thick. Or is it 15 millimeters? I don't know. Millimeters, That's inches, really? 17 meters, <laughs> you know. But yeah. as long as it fits within 2.5 inch enclosure, then it's going to fit. Exactly. Um, this device. Um, but I like to use an SSD. I find they're these days they're going to be reliable. Mm-hmm. They are affordable now. Yeah. Um, Kingston make exceptional uh, SSD drives, and it generates no heat. It uses virtually no power. Right. And so this device is basically, this is a solid-state device that I can just put in my server room. I can use it at work. I can use it at home. I can put it in the cellar. I can put it... um, I can just tuck it in behind the TV and make it a server.
1: And it's fine, right? Not to be... Like the spinning ones, they can...
0: If you move them while they're on, you can damage the drive, right? Because the the needle can we'll call it a needle, but the head um, can touch the platter because there's a very very fine air cushion between the platter and the head, so it can cause damage. Whereas these things, even with it powered on right now, I have no risks in moving it around or whatever else. They're very. I
1: I feel like a solid state drive is like Sasha proof. Like I can.
0: I wouldn't call it Sasha proof. We'll call it Sasha resistant. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So
1: I'll still I'll stick with that. be careful around it. Okay. Right.
0: So I've plugged it in Kay. and and I want to remind you that you can't plug this into a TV. There's mm-hmm. no HDMI output. There's no video capabilities within this board whatsoever. So that's where it differs from an XU4. The XU4 has 4K HDMI output. Right. This does not. This is just strictly treat it like a server or in this case we're going to call it a nas unit but it's so much more than that you think Mm -hmm. of a a nas as it's strictly storage Mm -hmm. network attached storage right you can save things to it you can copy things from it and it's centralized storage and it's handy it replaces the need for buying a full-size server for storing files and sharing them within your network right but this does that but it also has an eight core computer running debian linux stretch debian 9 is what i've got on there now of course i could upgrade it to buster if i wanted to go to debian 10. it's available um it's it's i think it's frozen as well so you could do that if you're you know and if you know what if you don't know what i'm talking about it's okay you don't need to do it but if you do you you can do that and it will operate um so it's basically a full computer. Yes. But with the networking capabilities and everything else. So all I've done is I've... So with, it, with Maverick's Debian stretch installed, mm-hmm. flashed to the SD card, I've turned it on, and now I see the IP address when I check out my router. Because remember, it doesn't have a screen, so I need to be able to find how do I access it. Right. So I checked out my router, and my router shows the DHCP pool, and I can see the DHCP for... Uh, it showed as Debian stretch... Mm-hmm. and it showed 10.0.0.148 is what my DHCP server had assigned to this device. So now, when I jump over to a PuTTY window on my Windows 10 machine and type in that address, it's saying, yeah, it's found it. 10.0.0.148. Um, and I left that too long. But So let's actually take it right from the top of PuTTY so that you can see how that works. I'm going to go 10.0.0.148. Log in as... And your login is root. Let's zoom in here a little bit. And I'm going to move this window so that it uh, it falls right on your screen.
1: Beauty. There you go.
0: So your login is going to be root out of the box. Your password is all lowercase odroid, just like you see on the box. Well, it's a little strange font, but odroid. O-D-R-O-I-D. Okay. Now. I mean, what do you want to do? Let's do, uh, let's do apt update. Okay. Just to kind of see how that goes. Now we see, hey, we've got a serv- certificate verification failed. We've got a whole bunch of errors. What gives?
1: What? Yeah.
0: What gives?
1: What happened?
0: I didn't plug in a real-time clock battery. Oh. We could. You could plug in a real-time clock battery. I, I imagine that there is a spot for it. But my clock is going to be wrong,
1: right? Oh, it okay? is. Yes. Yeah.
0: So what I need to do is I need to set my clock, and I'm going to confirm that. So I'll jump back to, to this. Any time that you get those SSH um, errors, mm-hmm. if you get like uh, you you're unable to run an apt update, you're unable to do an apt upgrade, and it's telling you that secure uh, SSL certificates are bad. If you're going on the internet from a device and it says that the SSL certificates are bad. First thing you want to do is check your date and time on your computer. Right. With a single board computer, it's especially true because a lot of them don't have a a real-time clock battery built in. Some don't even have a real-time clock. Oh. So if you plug a battery into ones that do support it, then right. it will maintain that time once you've set it. Right. Uh, otherwise, you just want to keep it on a UPS so that it doesn't lose the time or install NTP or something like that. So every time it reboots, it checks with the internet servers and downloads the, the time. Yes. But to do it quickly, uh, um, first of all, let's verify that that's the problem. I'm going to just simply type date and I see lo and behold, it's November 3rd, 2016. Wow. So that is time what my travel. board thinks. So yeah, I mean these are these. Th- this is a board that I just unboxed, right? So it's never been powered on, and the system clock thinks it's 2016. That's fine. Um, they didn't even exist back then, I don't think. But let's figure out how to actually set that time. Now you can go Perfect. through the hoops, or you can use uh, a tool that I created, which I call my. Linux time setting nerdgasm. So if you head over to baldnerd.com slash nerdgasms, just like it sounds. And on my nerdgasms list, you will find set Linux time and date. Mm -hmm. And all this does is it makes it really, really easy for you to just, hey, choose your time zone. And then it will give you two commands. One is one that will just set your time right now. Or two is an automated script that will actually download the time in real time from my server. But the safest thing is just to set the time. So let's grab this command. And it's you'll notice that the clock is actually ticking. So it's, it's real time to when I hit copy. And then jump over here and right-click to paste, and it did it. Right. So now you'll see having right-clicked in Putty, it pasted that command that I copied from Bald Nerd's nerdgasm at baldnerd.com. And now it's Wednesday, February 27th as we record this, the real-time, 2019. So now if I do apt update, presumably... It should work. Well, yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, no errors that time. Uh-huh. Right? So we know, hey, that's all it was, is my system clock was wrong. If I type date now, I can see it is now twenty nineteen. Now the system knows that it's twenty nineteen. That's good. Apt upgrade, you know, you want to do your typical Debian stuff, upgrade your system. It says, uh, oh, there are some automatically installed packages that are not needed. So apt auto remove you can do some cleanup, do whatever you need to do, whatever. We're not gonna bother with it tonight, but it's Debian. It's right. a Linux server. You can, so. you can do everything that you need to do. but what we're going to do here is we're going to actually create a BitTorrent seed server. It's going to have two effects for us. One one <laughs> it's going to allow us to download full seasons of Category 5 technology TV on a little device like this.
1: Very cool. Two and then, Two. Yeah.
0: Two. Yeah. It's going to allow us to then be part of that community in sharing our download with other people who are trying to download it.
1: Very cool. Because that's,
0: what's really cool about BitTorrent. If, if, if I give you my files, Mm -hmm. then you can give it to the next person. And if, 10 people say to you, oh, I want those files. You can say, okay, here, I'll give you a copy, and I'll give you a copy, and I'll give you a copy. That's how BitTorrent works. Right. Now, you've heard BitTorrent, and you've thought, oh, well, isn't that illegal? No. It has been used. The technology has been used in the past for illegal purposes because it's such a brilliant mechanism for distribution.
1: Right. So you think
0: about, hey, how would it be best to s- distribute illegal copies of movies? BitTorrent that would be a great way to exactly. do that. Exactly. That's not what we're doing. What we are doing is we're actually um, we're showing you that you can do this with legitimate files. You can download Linux distributions. You can download NEMS Linux. You can download full seasons of Category 5 Technology TV and other Category 5 shows absolutely free and store them on here. So the first thing that we need to do, Sasha, is we need to actually make sure that the hard drive is working. Because right now, we haven't actually done anything with the SSD that we've connected. Right. So let's jump into our terminal. And we're going to go ls slash dev slash sd. Star and I see that there is a SD, which is a, uh, is that uh, like an SATA drive, um, and there's one of them, which obviously is the case here. So we know SDA1 is the first partition on SDA, the hard drive, the SSD, I should say, the Kingston drive right. that I installed there. I can confirm that. I can go Fdisk slash dev SDA. And then P, and I can see there is an XFAT file system there of 894.3 gigs. Cool. All right. So I'm going to just quit that. Control-C is fine. Uh, And I'm going to actually format that because I don't want the XFAT file system. Remember that as I format something, I'm wiping it. Right. I know that that drive is safe to wipe. I don't need to back up the files on it. I'm about to destroy everything. (laughs) Uh, so I'm going to make ext 3 I suppose. I could do ext4. ext3 is fine. Slash dev slash sda1. Now, keep in mind, when you're creating a file system, you're formatting on Linux, you want to specify the partition. Mm. Because it's the first partition, sda1. Not sda, because that's the drive. If I format oh, that, okay. I'm not going to be able to use it. Right. You have to use a, a partition. So now I'm going to, create that uh it contains an XFAT file system are you sure yeah all right discarding device blocks and presumably reusing them for my odroid hc1 so is it flashing away it's just working away operating that hard drive doing its thing there we go Wow, did you guys think that you were all going to be watching a format operation on Category 5 TV tonight? Riveting. I know, I know. It's just awesome. You wanted more Linux? Watch the MakeFS screen, folks. And watch it discard device blocks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow, look at that. It's finished.
1: That was fast.
0: That was super fast. Actually, truth be told, we paused things, and through the magic of television, we just kind of expedited and jumped right back to it. But our drive is now formatted. You're welcome. So this is just kind of a quick Linux tip. It has nothing really to do with the Odroid HC1. But, hey, we're learning Linux here as much as anything else tonight. So we want to type B-L-K-I-D blkid shows us the UUID of devices in our system, and we want to look for that SDA1. See that? Mm -hmm. We have a UUID that is right there. That's what I want. The reason that I want that is I want to be able to mount this thing automatically at boot time. Right. So I've got to create a folder to mount it to. We're going to call this our mount point. So let's jump into home slash. No, there is no home folder because we are logged in as root. That's the only user. We're not going to get into security practices here. I'm just going to leave things as root for today. Um, you probably want to create a Linux user and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to get into yeah, that do. step of things. Um, this, this is running as root, which I don't like. Um, so uh, for now, just for the sake of this, keep in mind I want you to create a user um, that will go into your home folder instead. Um, but for today, ah, should we just do it? do it Uh, user add I think dash D um, Robbie no user add add user is it invalid home directory nobody
1: said yet but it'll happen oh the chat room will be
0: Uh, okay user add Robbie password Robbie Uh, and I'll give myself a password Uh, I better know it
1: That'd be a real Sasha move. I <laughs> set up my last pass. I yeah. forgot my password. Uh,
0: okay, so now um, user add dash d home Robbie. No, how do you create the directory? Just Robbie? Oh, invalid home directory. Robbie. What? Okay. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cheat. Home. Robbie, make her home, Robbie. <laughs> As we're O N Robbie, colon Robbie, home Robbie. Okay, S <laughs> U dash Robbie, and now I'm Robbie. Hey, look at me. Who am I, Robbie? Okay. Duh. At least, and you know, I may not know all the commands off the top of my head, but at least. <laughs> at
1: least you know who you are.
0: At least I know who I am, and I'm cr- teaching you semi-good. Linux practices in that I don't want you doing this as root because that's stupid. Uh, okay, make a directory here. I'm, I'm Robbie now, so uh, make dir... Um and, and and I will. Okay, I'm just going to say this for the record. I'm going to post below in the con- uh, in the description the correct command to create the home folder the correct way as I'm creating the user. I'm just it's slipping my mind, and I I just want to move on to the actual demonstration here. I'm going to call this um, SSD. All right. So now I've got a folder in. Um, well, if I go in there, you'll uh, you'll see. CD SSD pwd there you go home slash robbie slash ssd so now i'm going to exit so i'm root again uh, and then blkid. id i need to grab that uuid from dev slash sda1 that's the ssd hard drive understand what i'm doing because I'm, I'm probably talking a bit of gibberish feel free to just kick me under the table and just say, Robbie, you're I'll talking gibberish."
1: You. I, I, I I follow and I catch little things, and then my mind goes like... Mm.
0: I want to be able to save files to the SSD drive. Right. Otherwise, if I don't do these steps, I'm not actually utilizing the fact that this has an SSD drive connected to the SATA connector.
1: Right. right? The hard drive. I, I catch that.
0: So if I do anything, if I save any files or anything else, it's going to save it to the SD card which is 16 gigs. SD cards are not very reliable. You don't want a lot of input-output. Right. So I want to step away from that by telling it to use the hard drive so the UUID is the unique identifier of the hard drive partition dev slash sda1 which we determined is the SSD's first partition which we formatted as ext3 uh, so now I want to go nano remember I'm rude again because I exited Robbie uh, nano slash etc slash fs tab and here, I want to just type... Uh, you know what I can do is I can just grab that first line. Eh, no, I'll type it. UUID equals, and then I right-click because I'm in PuTTY, but you need to paste some way that UUID that I grabbed. Uh, and then hit tab, uh, slash home, slash Robby, slash SSD. This is the mount point that I've created, so that's where I want it to actually mount to. And then the, um, the file system type is EXT3. Um, and then... Let's just grab the same uh, info as the first, uh, the actual SSD here, which I've just highlighted and then pasted. Need a space there. What is it doing there? Uh, Errors. Let's jump out. Boom, boom. Errors, remount-ro means that it's going to um, remount the drive as a read-only drive if there is an error. Oh, okay. No A time means that it's not going to write the access time as you access files. That is something that's good for SSDs, SD cards, because every time you touch a file, every time you open a file, it saves an access time.
1: So that fills it N- up? Or? No,
0: no. What? but it, uses, it writes to it. Oh. And again, input-output. There's a finite number of input outputs on oh, the drive, okay, so, you're- so you're decreasing the lifespan of the drive. Got it. So no A time says um, it's gonna it's gonna not do that, and it's not gonna wear out the drive as quick. Discard. I'm not sure on uh, zero one. I can't remember the order. Um, that's the order of scanning the drives. Some anyway. That's that's gonna do it for us. Not a comprehensive demonstration of using. FS tab. We do have those though uh, on our website, category5.tv. And of course, Discord over on the right hand side of your screen. It's going to tell you a little bit. Control O to save, Control X to exit, and then mount dash A. If all worked, nothing happened. CD slash home slash Robbie, LS per LAH, SSD. Mount, huh. pipe, grep, SSD. Look at that. SDA1 is mounted on SSD. So now if I go into that folder, there's a lost and found. If I touch a file, test. LS. There's test. Now watch. If I unmount it, you mount SSD. Now go back into it. Where'd everything go? Right? Because it's not mounted. mounted. Because that is the drive... The SSD hard drive, this SSD, uh, that's an oxymoron, but the SSD drive, right? Yeah. So now we have a place that we can save things that is a solid state drive.
1: Super cool.
0: I want to actually create a server. This is going to be quick. Don't worry. I know we're out of time. We're way out of time. (laughs) But this is going to be quick. We're going to now take this system and we're going to turn it into a torrent server. So I'm going to go apt. Now, I already did apt update, but it's been a while. So I'm going to apt update again. Because, hey, if they update something in the server in the uh, repositories, I want it. apt install transmission-daemon. Daemon Bach. Transmission is a, uh, a great uh, tool for working with BitTorrents. Typically, it's a GTK application um, that allows you to download BitTorrent in your um, GUI. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, but we're doing it without a head, without a monitor, without... X without any... There's it's no just, display. Yeah. We just want it running as a server. So now that we've installed it, we can just type system D... No, system CTL start transmission dash daemon, and there's no response because it's it should presumably be working. So we know that we are at 192... Or no, no, 10 dot zero dot zero dot one four eight and now the port so colon 9091 is going to take me into um, transmission but it says wait a minute 403 forbidden that's good because hey if it if it wasn't installed correctly let's jump on to 9090 we'd see that it just spins and then it says this site can't be reached well no it, it is reached it's just rejecting us why is it rejecting us unauthorized ip address how cool is that so it actually has security in place that says we okay. won't allow anyone to access our BitTorrent server unless they are authenticated by IP address. Right. I'm on the internal LAN, so I'm going to actually um, set that up right now by figuring out my IP address, so my laptop. I'll jump into my terminal. I'm on Windows 10. IP config all. Wow, lots. We've got Hyper-V and everything else. Let's jump up here. Uh, 10.0.0.139 is me. So, now, first thing I need to do is systemctl stop transmission-daemon. Do that. Do not forget to stop the daemon, because if you make any changes to the configuration, they will not be saved. Because the Ah. daemon is running and it has the configuration loaded. You have to stop the daemon first. Then nano etc slash transmission dash daemon, I suppose, slash, and there should be a file called settings.json. There we go. Now, if we scroll down a little ways, we're going to see, and it shows you here what we're actually looking for, rpc dash whitelist. So go down to rpc dash whitelist. RPC port, RPC password, uh, username, whitelist. RPC whitelist. Local host is enabled, but my IP is not. So I'm just going to go comma 10.0.0. Did I say 139? I don't know. You don't know? Let's try it. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Again, control O to save, control X to exit. Now, start the daemon again. System CTL, start transmission daemon. Now, if I refresh, did I get the IP right? Yes. Nice. It's asking me for a username and password. Username, transmission, password, transmission, enter. Now, we have an up-and-running BitTorrent client server for seeding, for downloading, everything. We can set it up to save to that SSD, but we need to do that again in this configuration. So, let's stop, and let's go back to... Editing that settings.json file. And let's see where it's actually saving to. Downloads dir. It's going into var lib transmission daemon downloads. Let's change that. Home, Robbie SSD. Uh, let's call this torrents. Okay? All right. Now, I need to uh, make dir home, Robbie SSD, torrents. Remember, it is mounted right now. Um, Chon-r, Robbie, Robbie. I presume is going to be okay. Home, Robbie. SSD torrents. I wonder if there's a transmission group or user um, groups. Around, uh, transmission. Uh let's try it anyway. So, okay, so start. Now that I've set the folder and I've given it um, ownership by Robbie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now let's refresh. Okay, so now head on over to torrent.category5.tv. And let's grab, say, season 11. Just copy link address and then open that in your new server. Enter the URL. There you go. Destination folder. Look at that. Cool. Stored it automatically. Start when added. Upload. Okay. Let's see if it works. I'm going to jump back to my terminal. Uh, LS. Okay. LS torrents. Nothing there. Nothing there. So. Oh, it's coming. Is it? No, error. Permission denied. Oh. Permission denied because Robbie is not the user who is running transmission GTK. So I'm going to do a really, really quick um, search here. Let's jump up here. No, it's Debian transmission. There we go. Let's try that. Okay. One of the things that I want to do here is I want to try to give you good security practices. I'm not genius at it, but I know that, like, we're not going to give it 777 permissions. That's that's nonsense. That's very, very dangerous. Don't ever do that if someone tells you. Yes, it will work, but we're not going to do that. And, um, so what I just did is I looked at the uh, original file, ls var lib transmission daemon slash downloads, uh, and I did dash L-A-H, and I see it was actually owned by Debian dash transmission. So I'm going to try that, um, chown dash R... Debian dash transmission colon Debian dash transmission home Robbie in my case SSD uh, torrents I call that there we go so now if I do system CTL restart transmission dash daemon uh, what did I spell wrong transmission Uh, I might need an S in there. There we go. Okay, so now it's restarted. Let's jump back to transmission here. Refresh. Right-click and try resume. Uh, okay. I'm just going to remove... Oh, no. Is it going? No. Okay, I'm going to remove it. Remove. And I'm going to try again. Now that I've set the correct permissions. That's key, folks, because what I did there, understand, from a Linux perspective, I set the permissions of the folder as Robbie, but Transmission doesn't have the ability to write to anything that's owned by Robbie. Okay, let's hope. It should work now. Let's see. It's going to go. And if I jump back here and I look in Torrents, it should create a folder automatically if everything worked out. Oh, oh. Okay, it got a little bit of data there. I'm going to go watch L.S. Torrance. It's got it. Category 5, Technology Sweet. TV Season 11. So if I go in there, look at that. There it comes. Season 11. And it is storing on my SSD. Right? Beauty. How lovely is that? So here it comes, folks. Downloading at 520 kilobits kilobytes per second. Nice, and now once it's downloaded, it I become what's called a seed. So That's now right. anyone else who wants to download it can share the downloading from my server, which is right there on an Odroid HC1.
1: Incredible! It's such a good concept. Though.
0: This thing That's is funny. so cool. I'm just showing you one little thing that you can do with an HC1. Of course, it can be whatever. As a NAS, just set up Samba, mm-hmm. and you've got an in-house. Way to share your files from an SSD. You learned a lot tonight. Hopefully you were able to follow. If you have any questions, do send us an email or join us on Discord. Head on over to our website, category5.tv. There are lots of ways to interact with us. But check out the HC1. You can get one at cat5.tv odroid.
1: Perfect.
0: I am in love with that device. I can't wait to fire it up and just leave it running. Oh. That's going to be a nice little torrent cedar. For Category Five Very Technology TV, cool. Yeah, you ready?
1: I am. All right. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category Five dot TV newsroom: a nasty code execution bug in WinWar threatened millions of users for 14 years. Ready for another fright? Spectre flaws in today's computer chips can be exploited to hide, run stealthy malware. A pair of Hewlett Packard Enterprise servers sent up to the International Space Station in August 2017 as an experiment have still not come back to Earth three months after their intended return. And Microsoft's HoloLens 2 has been announced for $3,500 and is available to pre-order now to ship out later this year. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category 5.TV newsroom. Covering the
0: week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. Yama. You're building a brand new, beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? You're a terrible actor. What? That's where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. well, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website?
1: I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Before I start the first story, I will tell you that I do have a speech impediment with ours. So
0: With the ours, This is
1: a big, important story about WinRAR, which yes. I am going to say, wrong at some point.
0: WinRAR is like an old archiving tool, yeah. but people still use it exactly. on Windows.
1: People who can say they're ours.
0: So, full disclosure... It Total m- disclaimer.
1: Exactly. I'm gonna do my very best to It bear- might end,
0: it might be Winlar.
1: It might be. It might be... It's fine. R- rin-war. It, I, it could be anything. It, I'm going to do my super best. <laughs> Bear with me. It's winrar every time it sounds kind of odd. <laughs>
0: okay. All right.
1: A nasty code execution bug in winrar threatened millions of users for 14 years. If you're one of the 500 million winrar users, now would be a good time to patch. Winrar, a Windows file compression program with 500 million users worldwide, Recently fixed a more than 14-year-old vulnerability that made it possible for attackers to execute malicious code when targets opened a booby-trapped file. The vulnerability was the result of an absolute patch transversal flaw that resided in... Unace version 2.dll, a third-party code library that hasn't been updated since 2005. Mm. The traversal made it possible for archive files to extract to a folder of the archive creators choosing rather than the folder chosen by the person using the program. Because the third-party library doesn't make use of the exploit mitigations, such as address space layout, randomization, there was little preventing exploits. The most obvious path is to have an executable file extracted to the Windows startup folder where it would run on the next reboot. It was easy to bypass Windows permissions required to write to that folder. In release notes published late last month, WinRAR officials said they patched the vulnerability. They said ACE version 2.dll had not been updated since 2005 and we do not have access to its source code. So we decided to drop ace archive format support to protect security of WinRAR users. The code execution vulnerability in WinRAR has existed the entire 14 years since the Unace version 2 library was created and possibly earlier.
0: That is crazy. Yeah. A couple of points that this brings up for me. One, how many other tools out there used Unace? Like, Ace is another archival format. Right. Okay, so you've got Zip. You've got tar.gz. You've got 7zip. You've got all the RAR. Yeah. Right? So, um... WinRAR, like 7-Zip and other tools, want to be the, you know, like, everybody install this, and you can unzip, unarchive everything. So they include unace. ace Mm -hmm. And 14 years it took them to discover this, yet it's such a common practice, I can't believe it. Like, tar.gz has for ages. So if you try to create a tar file, and you include a path that is that starts with a slash it will say stripping away the leading slash Mm -hmm. because it's protecting the unarchive process from going into folders that you have not allowed it to traverse right obviously unace did not have that same level of protection for
1: a long time 14
0: years that's
1: bananas i wonder
0: how much this was exploited So if if someone could put this file, um, like a file, a malicious file, in that archive and have it extract to anywhere. Mm -hmm. Anywhere. The startup folder is just a great example. (laughs) Yeah. But But it could be, yeah, anything, anywhere. But how many other tools are using that on Ace? I mean, it's an old product, right?
1: But still, I mean... You
0: you don't really need it. Some people install WinRAR... Or WinZip is another example. They'll install WinZip thinking that they need it in order to unzip zip files. No, you haven't for a long time. RAR is different because that's their own format. Mm -hmm. So you have to have their tool or something on Linux or something like that. 7-zip is a good one.
1: See, 7-zip, I can say that.
0: (laughs) Why couldn't the story have been about 7-zip, she says.
1: Yeah, you made it through real good. Hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. Whew, thanks for your patience. <laughs> Ready for another fright? Spectre flaws in today's computer chips can be exploited to hide and run stealthy malware. Spectre, the security vulnerabilities in modern CPU speculative execution engines, can be exploited to steal sensitive data. Just won't die quietly in the IT world. It's unwelcome persistence isn't merely a consequence of the long lead time required to implement mitigations in chip architecture. It also sustained by its ability to inspire novel attack techniques. The latest of these appeared in a paper presented at the Network and Distributed Systems Security Symposium in San Diego, California on Monday. Co-authored by three computer science researchers from the University of Colorado, the paper X-Spector, Hiding Malware In speculative execution, describes a way to compile malicious code into a seemingly innocuous payload binary so it can be executed through speculative execution without detection. Speculative execution is a technique in modern processors that's used to improve performance alongside out of order execution and branch prediction. CPUs will speculate about future instructions and execute them, keeping the results and saving time if they've guessed the program path correctly and discarding them if not. But last year's Spectre flaws showed that sensitive transient data arising from these forward-looking calculations can be abused. Now it turns out that this feature of the chip architecture can be used to conceal malicious computation. The researchers have devised a way in which a payload program and a trigger program can interact to perform concealed calculations. The payload and trigger program would be installed through commonly used attack vectors such as a Trojan or phishing scam. When a trigger program runs on the same machine as is infected with the payload, it tricks the CPU's branch predictor, causing the payload program to speculatively execute its malicious bidding the result is stealth malware it defies detection through current reverse engineering techniques because it executes in a transient environment not accessible to static or dynamic analysis used by most current security engines even if the trigger program is detected and removed the payload code will remain operating the researchers have reiterated what may have already been stated these flaws need to be addressed in the chips themselves until then they expect malicious parties to create variants of their proof-of-concept malware technique. That's scary stuff.
0: I've never even... As you're telling this story, Sasha, it's crossing my mind, and it never has, how this type of technique could Mm -hmm. be used to trick AI into performing malicious tasks. Like, understand, like, the, the processors on your computer are meant... They're trying to make them fast. Right. So they add predictive technology to make it think ahead what's coming right oh i think you're going to ask for this so i'm going to prepare it i'll get it ready ready to do it
1: and then if you don't it just doesn't yeah
0: but if you do well it's already ready yeah it's already done i've got it boom done yeah it seems fast so if if we can maliciously trick it into making that a payload which is exactly what the researchers have accomplished wow That's frightening. Now, take that and put it into artificial intelligence and say, okay, we've got AI that is basically the ultimate predictive technology. Mm -hmm. It is thinking for itself. It is making decisions for itself, which is exactly what machine learning is. It's learning for itself. Right. It's creating its own algorithms. So if you can cause machine learning to create its own algorithms because that is its design, mm-hmm. then what's to stop a malicious party from tricking the artificial intelligence into creating algorithms that are malicious? Right. I've never made that connection before now. Ah. And and now I'm I just want to find a dark place somewhere. <laughs> To so hide.
1: they're saying chip manufacturers are the ones that have to actually.
0: It's a hardware I guess. flaw. Yeah, I So, mean, but how do you stop it?
1: Right. I Speakers guess you can't there. stop it's it going backwards, yeah, but you, can't you could reverse. exactly. But going forward, you could have better practice. But then, does that even
0: slow down the processors? <laughs> People wouldn't have it. I oh well, not. we'll go with the previous generation because they're faster. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, it's true. It's so. Then we got to get into. New computational models, new... And that's what they're pushing for. All But yeah, it comes down to the hardware manufacturers.
1: It's unsettling.
0: Yes, it is. Mm. Yes, it indeed is.
1: <laughs> A pair of Hewlett-Packard Enterprise servers sent up to the International Space Station in August 2017 as an experiment have still not come back to Earth three months after their intended return. Together they make up the space-borne computer, a Linux system that has supercomputer processing power. They were sent up to see how durable they would be in space with minimal specialists' treatment. After 530 days, they are still working. Their return flight was postponed after a Russian rocket failed in October 2018. HPE senior content architect Adrian Kazbergen said that they may return in June 2019 if there is space on a flight, but right now they haven't got a ticket. The company is working with NASA to be computer-ready for the first manned Mars flight, estimated to take place in about 2030. The company is also working with Elon Musk's SpaceX. Currently, the 20-year-old machines controlling the ISS return data to Earth for processing. This is possible because it takes less than a second to get the data back. But on, Mar- on a Mars mission, the time taken for a, ra- a data round trip will grow to more than 40 minutes as the planet is millions of miles away. That means data- the data processing will have to be done on the spaceship itself. The space born computer is currently embedded in the ceiling of the ISS. They were placed in an airtight Box with a radiator that is hooked up to the ISS water cooling system. Hot air from the computer is guided through the radiator to cool down and then circulated back. But there have been problems with the redundancy power supply as well as some of the redundant solid state drives. The devices will need to be inspected back on Earth to find out what went wrong.
0: I love that they're planning so much for I the know, Mars missions. I know.
1: So let's test this. Make sure it's ready for Mars. Two ding, weeks.
0: I'm just getting ready for it. Two weeks. Yeah. If you get the reference, I'll send you a cookie.
1: Yeah. I'd get no cookie. Okay. <laughs> But what is cool about this is that they're still working up there. I mean, there's been some, you know.
0: Yeah, well, it's Linux. Yeah, it's It's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. It's got redundant power supplies and redundant SSDs and everything else. But I wonder what could cause them to fail up there. I mean...
1: uh, Radiation particles zapping.
0: Yeah. I don't know. But also, the the other thing is that, you know, the, the you talked about the space station's current computers, which are old and slow, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. They cost millions of dollars to install those. Yeah. Right? Like, back in the day, 20 years ago, right? Now, they can send something up. Hewlett-Packard sends something up, and it just costs, like, thousands of dollars to yeah. do that. Like, huh, well, to manufacture the hardware. Yeah. The cost has come down so far. So, to be able to send up something that's the power of a supercomputer, and, it, yeah. and it, it can just be sent up into space and they're wondering what's going on with it like there are a couple of issues but it's still operational it's still sending data back and still working
1: so the f- first Linux computer on Mars Linux right well
0: yeah. well I uh, n- there there wh- there's Spark servers up there there okay. are um, there are other Linux machines up there yeah I don't know if there's any windows on Mars right now Pro- I doubt it, it would, they'd crash
1: <laughs> Crash landing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Must be Windows.
0: <laughs> there's definitely some Spark up there. There's some Power PCs up there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so, And I guess they'd be running like a form of Unix. Okay. It's kind of like a predecessor to, to Linux. So, yeah, there's lots of stuff up there. It's just getting the people there now. Right. And see you know, how, how we can communicate back and how right. we can call for help.
1: Well, you're looking for help on Mars if you're living on Mars. You're not calling Earth for help. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) Send help. If it takes 40 minutes to get the transmission, right? Let alone the people.
1: Please hold. Yeah. Your request is being held in priority sequence.
0: Mm-hmm. As Elon Musk said, it's a one way trip.
1: That is correct. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Microsoft's HoloLens 2 has been announced for $3,500 and is available to pre order now to ship out later this year. Comfort, better visuals, and easier to use with your hands. That's the takeaway from HoloLens 2, Microsoft's follow-up to the space-age goggles it announced four years ago. The technology behind the $3,500 HoloLens 2 device, which Microsoft calls mixed reality, overlays computer images on the real world. Imagine arrows directing you down the street as you walk or repair instructions floating over a machine as you fix it. That's Mixed Reality's promise, according to Microsoft. The company was the pioneer in augmented reality world when the tech giant debuted its first headset in 2015, charging companies $5,000 apiece for the gadget. Since then, rival devices, such as the $2,295 Magic Leap, have come on the scene. At prices like that, MR headsets are far more expensive than the competing VR technology currently on the market. Facebook's Oculus Rift, for example, is $349, HTC's Vive is $499, and Sony's PlayStation VR is $299. You have to buy a computer or a PlayStation 4 console to power these VR devices. But even then, their prices are at least half what Microsoft or Magic Leap are asking. That hasn't deterred Microsoft from designing and an improved headset as part of its push into the now far busier AR universe. The company says HoloLens still isn't ready for you and me to use at home, though. Instead, Microsoft is focused on companies and the military. But that has stirred employee dissent. As of yesterday, more than 250 employees have signed an open letter denouncing the deal. Aside from that caveat... Microsoft has made some welcome welcome improvements to the device, which goes on pre-order Sunday and will be shipping later this year. So, does that mean I could order it and have it? That or I have sure, to be part yeah. of the. Sure. Yeah. You want to
0: pre-order it? And do it. <laughs>
1: yeah. AR well, you know I want neat. to. AR, it AR sounds so cool. like the best thing ever, actually. So
0: virtual reality being like you are immersed in a virtual environment and everything that you do and see is virtual. Right. Augmented reality or or this particular type of technology is like interacting in your world with virtual things. So yeah. looking at it from a perspective of like industry, being able to... Um, like let's say i'm manufacturing something and now with my augmented reality i can overlay and see how this is supposed to line up and so now i can actually line it up the way that it's supposed to be because i can actually see it i can see how i'm supposed to do it in front of me with mm-hmm. and now with the hololens 2 that's all you need right and it, it it tracks your hands and it tracks your movement in such a way that it's like genius the right. way that it's able to just it's a headset and that's
1: and I feel like it's, it's good for people who have like, like even safety issues. Like if I were going into like a concert or a busy hey. spot and I wanted to know where the, the exits are, mm-hmm. they would be automatically like there or, or I could say how many people are in this room? Like automatically it, like, cause it yeah. could sense and tell and count probably, oh, sure. right? So yeah. yeah, directions, you'd never get lost again.
0: Think about gaming though. Right. Yeah, Directions is cool.
1: Or knowing when something is done, like cooked, it just can tell you yeah. <laughs> by looking at it. Yep, that's ready.
0: Normal eyes do that too, but no. it's kind of interesting. I think gaming, like, I mean, being able to play a game on your tabletop. Right. Being able to take the pieces and move them even though they are virtual. Right. Even though they're not physically there. So now all of a sudden it's, it becomes your one point of entertainment where you don't need it's like the smartphone right yeah we don't need a calculator anymore we don't need this and that and all these other a camera and a video camera and all these devices that we used to have to have a walkman and and now you've got a phone in your pocket that does it all right so now take a hololens and say okay well with this technology i no longer need a chessboard i no longer need uh, even a computer right because i can just Okay, well, I'll just interact like Minority Report, Yeah, and I can see that screen in front of me.
1: If you think about it, like for things like, say for rehab, for somebody who's had a stroke, say, and they can't write any longer, but it can show you, you know, because you can Mm -hmm. see with your eyes what your hand should be doing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Learning person. There are so many different
0: things that could be done for.
1: They're too expensive right now.
0: Phone calls. Ah. That's going to happen too, right?
1: Yes. Hey, mom.
0: Holographically, she's all of a sudden in the room. You gotta have your HoloLens on, but it works. Yeah.
1: it that is bananas. It's so cool, cool stuff. Love it.
0: Uh, okay, should we jump into our crypto, crypto. report for yes. the week? Um, just to take a really quick look at how things are looking from CoinGecko, um, this is what it looked like as of 1800 hours Eastern time on Wednesday, February 27th, 2019. Uh, pretty much everything has gone down a little bit. So, you know, we were like, hey, it was on its way up. And it it. this kind of demonstrates how the market is constantly, constantly it's, changing. So, yeah. you know, when we say it's volatile, Keep that in mind. Bitcoin went down $193.62 USD, down to $3,765.24. In the past week, Litecoin down $7.04 to $4,406. Ethereum is at $130.97. Monero at $47.69. Stellite is at 1.51 ten thousandths of a cent. Aww. It's so cute. Yeah. And <laughs> TurtleCoin is the one gainer yes. gaining a whopping... 0.7 no 0.07 10 thousandths of a cent think about that for a second
1: but it grew a little
0: if we still had a penny right take a piece of your hair right. put it on that penny and just measure it that the width, the width yeah. of that hair that's how much turtle coin gains it's
1: like having a palm, open palm and just putting like one single grain of salt that's how much you got. But growth is growth. You're the only Slow guy. Slow and
0: steady That's wins right. the race. Way to go, TurtleCoin. You are the one gainer. Congratulations on yes. your growth. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, remember, as I say, the cryptocurrency market is always volatile, and it never closes.
1: That's right big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, and for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman.
0: And I'm Robbie Ferguson. Thank you so much for being here again with us this week. Looking forward to seeing you again, same time, same place, one week from now. See you, everybody.